and welcome to Better Words. I'm Michelle and I'm from the Unfinished Bookshelf. And I'm Caitlin and I'm just a bookish babe. And I'm really trying not to sniffle and snort all over oh. the microphone because I have like the worst runny nose at the moment. As of like three hours As ago. As of three hours ago. Honestly, it just hit me. I know I don't want to complain about being cold and everything in Queensland because I know everyone will hate us for that. But... We're not weather, built for it. We're not, we're not built, built for, it. for it. And the weather keeps changing. Like it literally keeps going from like it'll be like 7 in the morning and then like 30 during the day and it, you just go from hot to cold and that's why we're all sick. Yeah, and our houses aren't built for it. You know, Ugh. they're like thin, thin walls. It's cold. It is cold. It's cold. Anyway, now that we've complained about that, we went and saw a movie last week. Yay. It was so much fun. <gasps> it's it the first so time funny. I've fully like proper like really laughed in a movie for ages and it's so what I needed yeah it was oh, fantastic it just felt so good and like even wait we even told them what I know what it is. <laughs> but even with movies like that if you watch them by yourself you don't laugh you as don't hard laugh. no you're just like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like yeah, it's funny <laughs> you don't really laugh because like especially at the cinema there's like the whole feeling with yeah. everyone else it's so anyway so the movie we actually saw was The Spy Who Dumped Me. It was with, so good. With Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. It was so good. I loved Kate McKinnon She's so hilarious. much. Oh, my like, goodness. Did we see the Ghostbusters movie together? Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she was so funny in that too. But, yeah, she was Is really – Is there going to be another Ghostbusters? I don't know. I hope so. It doesn't really need to be. Oh. But Well, I liked her. That's why I want to I wanna see her character continue. Yeah. But, oh, it was so funny. And I have to say, I actually said this to my brother. I was like, it was funny and hilarious and a comedy. But really, I would say almost predominantly an action movie. I said that to Jack too. I was like, you would really like it because, I mean. It's like a full-on action movie. You were telling me while the movie was going on that the stunts were done by the same people as James Bond. Like someone who's like worked on a James Bond movie. I'm pretty sure about that. I heard Mila Kunis tell Dax Shepard on Armchair Expert. But, so. like, it it was – and the plot as well. It wasn't, like, a silly plot. Like, it was genuinely really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So exactly. it wasn't just, like, oh, an action plot for the sake of, like, a for few scenes. For the sake scenes. of a girl comedy movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, like, the comedy was the bonus to the action movie. It was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So great. I loved it. Yeah. It was, so, <laughs> it was so good. Like, we really, really enjoyed it. And you know what I did to celebrate this hilarious movie? On the weekend. Oh, my God, yes. Talk I, about this, girl. <laughs> I'm no. so proud of you. Oh, okay. I was okay. Actually Is that going what you were going to say? I was no. actually going no. to say that I rewatched Bad Mums because yes. I was just feeling Mila Kunis. Yeah. Um, but, okay, yes, Michelle's so proud of me and she put it on her Instagram story. I competed in my very first aerial competition. And for those of you who don't know what aerial is, it's like the circus hoop and silks and stuff, you know, like – I don't know what else to say. Hoop and silks. Think Zendaya in The Greatest Showman, which is <laughs> fitting because I actually did my routine to rewrite the stars. It was amazing. <laughs> it was beautiful. Thank you. And not only was yours beautiful, but our lovely friend Indy from Taps Life and Books, she did her first pole routine to Greedy by Ariana Grande. And oh my gosh. It was awesome. She was so, she so good. She it. She did. Yeah. And your sister. Yes, my younger sister also competed. Came first. Came first in her division, yes. She did such a good job. She did a little party, never killed nobody. Some and the Great Gatsby. Movie. Yeah, yeah, like she had the little like 
shit, what's that step that we did? Charleston. Like, thank you. She so actually did wore it my character shoes from that I Anything wore Goes. Anything Goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we did that step so long and now I can't remember yeah, it. Charleston. Oh, she was so great. And um, I think like everyone was amazing. Mm-hmm. I will say that. But what I liked especially about Mickey's and about Indies as well in the pole section because I feel like Ariel's slightly different, like you don't necessarily have to make it go with the song, but I feel like they I were – I made mine go with the song. No, you did, but – But you don't have to. No, you don't have to, whereas yeah, most like – people just go from move to move and pick a slow song. Yeah, like so what I noticed about – and everyone was amazing on pole, like I'm not putting anyone down – but I noticed most people it was just like it could have been any song, mm-hmm. whereas Mickey and Indy actually really like they had the dance moves, they had the bits that kind of went with the song and they were the two that used it most mm. to, um, I guess, to their advantage. Like they used the song, especially Mickey, the way she did. Well, she did just, the Charleston. Said yeah. She did Charleston. She and she, yeah. But she did like the spoken bits of the song too, so she was really like actually making it. I was so impressed. <laughs> also, Caitlin hasn't mentioned that she placed second in her <laughs> division. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> it was so yes. good. Although I have to say, oh, my God, some of those kids who were like, like in the junior category. Oh, yeah, no, the kids were, are like, insane. What? They basically have no bones. Like oh, they're my so gosh. flexible. They're like so we're strong. talking like 11 and under, right? Juniors is actually 15 and, un- and under. Um, but there but was no one that old in there. The four people who competed, there was one girl who's like 15. Oh, was she the first one? Yeah. The orange? Um, yeah, she was yeah. great. And then the others are like, yeah, 11, 10-ish. Some of those little kids, like, so they good. were amazing. Mm-hmm. Especially the little ones who were doing silks. Yeah. I was like, what? No, it's, it's pretty <gasps> impressive stuff, actually. So like, impressive. Yeah, I know. I was very, very impressed by everybody else. I did not expect to place at all. I was genuinely you shocked. You were really great. But, yeah, I you. wasn't surprised that the ex-gymnast won your division, though, no, because no. she was oh, her freakishly was amazing. amazing. Yeah. She was one of the other people who used the music to, mm. like, do the routine, and she did silks, not hoop. Mm. Um, and, yeah, she was just freakishly good yeah and then that, that made sense because she has all this training as a gymnast yeah. too she's very flexible yeah but yeah no you did amazing thank so, you yay um what have you been doing <laughs> well I had a few days off work um and I think I spoke about it last week and I put up an Instagram post a, a very honest Instagram post about my mental health mm. not being the best on top of that my physical health has not been the best I've been very run down um I don't know what the answer is to that because my life is just like that so can't I just have to it, can't figure it out yet no it's not that I can't figure it out but like I just like w- what can I not do mm. you know like there's nothing that I can really drop that exactly you know, thank god you have a job that allows you to like work a weekend and then get like four or five days off I know but I'm sick of working weekends I just want to mm. because like I have been working so many weekends <laughs> Seems like before we before we left and stuff, mm. I was doing every second weekend, and it's been three out of four since we got back from holidays and stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to having a bit more stability because mm. like shift work is just annoying in that way, but it does allow you to get stuff like I've done appointments and doctor's appointments and stuff like that on weekdays, which is Honestly, good. Honestly, I think that is the most frustrating thing about having a full-time job yes, is that everyone that else has full-time a- jobs. So like when yeah. are you supposed to go to the doctor I know. or something, you know? Anyway, um, Jack and I the other night watched this really funny like 
satire horror. Oh. Satire horror. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, called Little Evil. Um, and it's got Adam Scott in it. I do love Adam Scott. It's re- you would love this. It's really funny because it's kind of like um, it is a satire of like a lot of other horror movies. But basically, this guy's stepson is like evil incarnate. Oh, okay. And but it's just really good because they kind of play off all this the the like horror the movie stereo. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually genuinely really funny and really oh, good. good. Yeah. Um, also, we finished watching The Good Place. Oh, yay! <gasps> I can't wait to yeah I can't wait for season three oh my goodness and yes as soon as it finished I was like is there a season three (gasps) so yeah yeah, really excited for that such a good show it's so good oh so good yeah I love it I love it so much um yeah, so that's what that's what we've been like watching and stuff and Mm. yeah that's what I've just been trying to you know what you need to watch next? Well, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last week as well, but Good Girls. Yeah. I've finished watching it now. I'm completely obsessed. I yeah. like. I want to watch it, like, again, basically. Do you think Jack would like it? Yes. Okay, cool. Maybe that's our next thing. Oh, well, actually, what we're going to watch first is called The Royal Family, and mm. my boss lent it to me. And Jasmine says that it's like the UK version of Kath and Kim. So, oh, okay. I know. Well, so I like a little bit of comedy of in my life. Oh, also, Jasmine's very happy because UK Netflix finally added Kath and Kim <gasps> and she can yes! finally watch it. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh, my God. I know. She's been dying to watch it. I love so, Kath and yeah. Kim so much. Oh, wait. I haven't. Did I talk about my Love Island obsession? Oh, no, I've not. Can we not? Okay. <laughs> Michelle love loves Love UK. Island and I don't really approve, no. even though she's tried to explain it to me. I love it. Love Island UK. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm not going to watch the Australian version. I'm going to watch the UK version. Look, mainly because... Accents. Yes, but also everyone was talking about it when we were over there and now I finally get to be in on it and, like... Feel left out. Yeah, because, like, Jasmine was watching it. It was all over the radio. They would talk about it the next day and now I get to see what everyone was talking about. So, yeah, look, I'm a trashy human. <laughs> I basic bitch and I love it. You're basic. Yes. I mean, in the what? words of my good friend, you're, you're basic. basic. <laughs> Um, happy Wednesday, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy our interview. Oh my gosh, we have to tell you this interview is freaking amazing. It's so amazing. It will change your life. Get a pen and notepaper ready because our guest is amazing. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. Enjoy. So I think this interview came at the right time for both of us. Our guest this week is the founding director of Who Am I Projects and has combined create credibility accreditations and skills with her experience, curiosity, creativity, intuition, and compassion. She's worked with leading multinational companies, elite athletes and entrepreneurs, and many others, and helped transform people and also corporate cultures. And now she's here to help you with her newly released guide to changing your life. Read Me First isn't going to change your life for you. But our guest has designed it to empower readers to change their own lives. And we are so excited to be diving in ourselves because we're both working through it at the moment. Welcome to Better Words, Lisa Stevenson. Oh, that was such a beautiful introduction. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, you're very welcome. (laughs) It's it's podcast joy, isn't it? It's It's fun to have an opportunity actually to connect with people in different ways. And I think podcasts is a really 
fantastic way to be able to stimulate people's thinking. So thank you for inviting me on. (laughs) It's our pleasure. I completely agree with you. I love listening to podcasts for that reason. We are addicted. And that's why we started (laughs) one. So... Yeah, we're addicted to I don't even want to know how many hours I spend listening to podcasts. But it's productive (laughs) time, right? And it's it's actually something I find a lot of my clients use time when they're out walking or in the car and to kind of get a bit of a download and and think about some different things. So I think it's a it's often a good use of time actually. Yeah, it's time you wouldn't be doing anything anyway or, you know, but sometimes I think I'm a bit too addicted to always (laughs) listening to something, so I need to remind myself to switch off. But that's another story. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so let's start right back at the beginning. How did you start coaching and, and get into this amazing career that you've built? Well, so it's it's a it's a good question it, and it's a little bit ironic because as you will work out quite quickly, I'm never short of something to say and I loved to talk and connect with people and being a coach is almost the opposite of that. It's an ability to listen and to reflect back and so somewhere along the line my early career was very much about training and workshops and I've always been really fascinated by why people behave the way they do and then at some point I actually spent some time at Ernst & Young uh, working in London that sounds cool doesn't it that was a cool job to have <laughs> it does and, yeah and I developed this real passion around coaching when I was there and it, it was a relatively new industry at that time which is not meant to make me sound old by the way um and I just that was when I first did some some study around coaching and and how it served people in feeling empowered and coming up with their own solutions and that kind of thing and from there I went on to do various study and accreditations and developed a real skill and passion around wanting to use coaching as a way to really support people in working out what their version of success would be some um, it's it's nice to know that there's something that you can do in the world that serves others and also gives back to you it's it's a real privilege being a coach actually um i'm interested to know then what are like both the toughest and also most rewarding aspects of being a coach uh, i think there's there's a lot of things around coaching that are things you have to be really mindful of. So for example, there's a real duty of care and responsibility that goes with coaching. People are sometimes sharing things with you that they've never said out loud to anyone before. And it's important that people understand, you know, coaching is quite different to any forms of therapy or counselling or anything like that. But what it means is when you create space for people to share, nothing is off limits. And part of working with a coach is that there's no judgment. So sometimes people will share things that really are, you know, against things that you value. Um, Mm. And that, you know, there are times through my career where you have to really self-manage in that. And it also requires a lot of discipline to be a good coach. So it, it, it's, it's something where you don't get the luxury of kind of having a bad day or not eating well or not making sure you're hydrated. You, you actually have to make sure that you are absolutely on for that hour or that two hours with that person and they are trusting you and, and have invested in you. And it takes a lot of energy to really be in someone else's story and to make sure you're not missing things. So, 
you know, I think sometimes people can think that coaching is lots of, it's quite lots, you know, it's joyful and you sit in a nice room and have a chat with someone, uh, but it's far more strategic than that. And of course, any of the hard work that goes with it is very much outweighed by the pure joy that you see in others when they're succeeding. So, uh, you know, what I mean by that is one of the things about being a coach is that if someone goes out and creates great things and builds change into their life or creates some fantastic, you know, version of success for them, the coach doesn't get any credit because we couldn't do any of that work for the client. They had to Mm -hmm. go out and make that happen. And, you know, and also if they don't do anything as a result of the coaching, uh, that's got nothing to do with us either. You know, coaching is very much about the client, about you, tr- you know, being trusted to do what's right for you and to do the work. So I've had clients who have, um, I actually, in preparation for talking with you tonight and knowing some of the things you're interested in, I spoke with a client this morning and got his permission to share this story. Uh, he sat in a coaching session with me one day and he didn't know how to swim, but decided he was going to do a triathlon. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, but didn't know how to swim. Okay. Well, that's one of three. Yeah. So. <laughs> correct, correct. And so, you know, I get to see people do really incredible things that they didn't know they were capable of. You know, people get promotions, have babies, start or leave relationships that might be working or, or not working. Uh, So you get to see a lot of evolution in terms of how people are living their life, which is a real privilege. Wow. (laughs) Right on cue, Percy's talking in the background. Um, It must be, it must just be so interesting. And to go from, you know, talking to, you know, client, 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 and who are obviously all so different and aiming for different things and doing different things, and to just kind of switch it up, you know, every day is different. It, it's really true. It's no, no coaching session is the same. And even within the same client, you know, we, we have a general kind of coaching program approach that we take. So we don't tend to do too much that's just one-off stuff. We're normally working with people across a couple of months. So something that feels really important to them at the beginning of that coaching program might change or increase in priority in you know in a period of a month so you never quite know what's happening or you know what what surprises you might get when you walk into a room and I love that about being a coach that you know I can start my day talking to someone about the next big promotion that they want and their brand at work and how they're leading their teams and in the next session I could be talking to someone who is wanting to be entrepreneurial and set up their first business and then in the afternoon I might be talking to someone who wants to you know lose weight and start doing more exercise so that's pretty cool isn't it? (laughs) It is pretty cool. I have to ask though, have you ever had a client, you know, that you've found or they've come to you and have a particular problem and you just think, oh, no, can't do it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have I ever had that? I don't think I've ever said I can't do it, but I have certainly referred people to other experts. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's certainly times where I might suggest that someone does need to specifically see a marriage counsellor or a psychologist 
um, or an expert in a different field to get some specialist advice or strategies put in place. Um, mm. There's there's been a few challenging ones though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably an area where people who don't really know um, what the problem is will try and find a solution somewhere where really they should be looking somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Sometimes we don't know what we need and there's times, mm-hmm. yeah, there's times in life I think where uh, we we might hear about a particular person in our network that feels like a safe place to go. or And the thing about coaching is that there's not too much you can't coach someone on. Uh, and sometimes people will will work with a coach and a psychologist or a coach and a counsellor. Uh, if you look at elite athletes, you know, it kind of makes sense that for people who really want to be high performing in their life, they actually surround themselves with lots of different people. You know, an elite athlete will have a strength and conditioning coach, their personal trainer, they might have a training partner, a psychologist, a masseur, Um, you know, they'll have lots of people around them who give them different things. So I think a coach has a specific role um, and it's just about understanding what what that is. That's amazing. So fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We often hear that psychologists are also in therapy themselves. So I'm interested, (laughs) do life coaches see other coaches? Yes, we do. I actually have a really uh, strong personal view that I shouldn't expect other people to pay for coaching and invest in themselves in that way if I don't do that myself, Mm. you know. And I, I think that one of the things that coaches need to be is really self aware. So often, you know, good coaches and coaches who are really responsible and passionate about what they do have done a lot of work on themselves. So, so the answer is yes. <laughs> is there I, anyone in particular in Australia, any other coaches you would um, recommend, or I guess they don't even have to be in Australia, but people who we could follow online? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, so in our, our business, which is Who Are My Projects, we actually have a whole team of coaches and I've got a coach in, in my team. Um, her name is Kathy Rodwell and she's on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. And she's a really experienced coach and we've worked together for 15 years and she's kind of my go-to person. Um, someone that your listeners might be interested in is a man by the name of Craig Harper. Uh, you'll find him, um, he's he's got a really fantastic Instagram feed actually called Whiteboard Lessons um, if people want to look that up and he's also Craig Harper online on Facebook and he's got, uh, I've done, an, he's done some mentoring with me actually and some coaching because they're different things but he's got a very clear view around the importance of mindset and he's an exercise scientist so he looks at how, yeah, how we look after our bodies and when you're doing the sort of work that I do, you know, you have to be quite all-encompassing about how you look after each aspect of your life. So he's been a really fantastic mentor for me. That's great. Michelle's just looked him up on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I yeah. really like that. Um, so why did you want to channel your knowledge and I guess that practical experience you have into writing Read Me First? Yeah, so it 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 was it's kind of probably been a few years in the ba- making for me now and what I found is that 
I've got about, you know, just over 20 years of experience of working as a consultant, uh, an entrepreneur, working in the corporate world. I've had various senior roles around leadership and and then when my the biz, the consulting business that I have, we've just gone into our ninth year and it just felt like the right time to distill all of that learning into a book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was something that people were starting to ask me for and about. And I, I took that as a sign. I don't know if it was a real one or not, but I just <laughs> thought, you know, if people are starting to say, you know, how do we access you or how do we access all those questions that you have locked away in your brain? And so, yeah, it tied in with a few personal things as well. And it just felt like the right time to sit down and capture it in a book. Excellent. How long did it take to write? Oh, a long time. It's not <laughs> even funny. <laughs> if someone actually had told me what was required in producing a book, would I have done it? Mm, let me think about that for a minute. It, it's a huge process and that was partly why I did it actually because I, I I wanted to learn something new and get a bit uncomfortable because we know that that's an important part of how we grow in life and in our mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. A new challenge. It was a new challenge for me and just the process of having to sit still and have real clarity about what it was that I wanted to share and what would really stimulate people's thinking and and be something that was valuable and not just another book on a bookshelf. I knew it would be a big job, but I didn't know how, how big it would be. So I actually went to Italy and took my children out of school for a school term. Can we just pause for a moment and go, that's amazing. <laughs> it was it was really fantastic to go and, you know, just live and immerse ourselves in Italy for three months. Can you imagine? I the dream. Yes, literally my dream. (laughs) My parents took me out of school for a term once um, and we travelled from Adelaide to Rockhampton, so not as glamorous. (laughs) Well, that's a road trip. That still counts. That's a good road trip, yeah. My partner, Jack, his parents, when he was young, they travelled all around Australia in like a camper van. That's oh, cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I do I do want to do that again. Yeah. But yeah I would like to do that. Is living in Italy for <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it does it does sound quite glamorous. I'd love to do the travelling around Australia thing as well, actually. But um yeah, so we went and that was where I sort of did the first draft of the book. And um we had this three months in Italy and I'd worked, you know, really long hours over a long period of time and I'd become a single mum and done divorce and all of that. And it was sort of about doing a bit of a reset and being with my children. Um, and there were days when I regretted that decision and was desperate for adult conversation. But <laughs> most of the time, I mean, can you imagine? Super amazing to just wake up and say, oh, should we go into Florence for lunch today? Um. Uh, it was really, it was amazing. It was really amazing. And what I discovered when I got back was that what I had written as a first draft was so boring I wanted to stab myself in the eye. It was <laughs> And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to show anybody that. Uh, And so over the space of another year, I was writing and writing. And in fact, when I first met with uh, the people who've now published the book, Major Street Publishing, it was not anywhere near complete. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it sort of, it had some structure and I'd worked out what I wanted my content to be, but I just didn't know that, you know, you have there's graphic designers and cover 
pe- people who specialize in cover and colors and editors and proofers and content experts and you know then there's a whole strategy about you know your market and getting your book to market so it's been a big ride actually yeah well it would have been a very long and interesting learning experience um, yeah, this whole sure. other side I mean, writing a book to begin with, you had never done. And then this whole other side to actually publishing one so that you can hold it and pick it up off a bookshelf. Yes. So many steps that I think most people don't think of. Yeah. Well, I, I hadn't even thought about that myself, you know, and I I had no idea what was involved in how does a book even turn up on Amazon? How does that work? <laughs> yeah. And do, is there like little magic people who take it to them or how yeah, does that Yeah, little book fairies. <laughs> That's right, magic fairies, and um, yeah. and do I get paid if people buy the book on Amazon? How does that work? Um, and you know, Kindle versions, and and actually, we've just um, signed a global contract with with um, Belinda, who have bought the audio rights to the book. And I was like, oh, is that a thing? That's amazing, you know. Oh <laughs> so, wow! Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. It's 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 a really exciting adventure for me to be on actually so yeah like you said before too part of growing is getting out of your comfort zone and while that would have been a really big leap out of your comfort zone I bet you are so glad that you did it I I really am it it does feel like a significant achievement you know I'll remember for the rest of my life that moment where I walked into the we've actually got it on film I walked into the publisher's office and opened the first box of books and you take it out and you know you know every single word and you know exactly what the cover's going to look like but then the process then it's of in your it hand up, yeah it's a, it was amazing it was amazing Oh, I can't imagine. That must have been so exciting. Yeah. And it's a little bit terrifying too because it is when you do something brand new, you know, like will people actually buy it and is it good? And we all have that stuff that we worry about. But fortunately so far the feedback is pretty good. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, we're both loving it. I have to actually tell you neither of us are very far into it because we're really taking our time to answer your questions (laughs) and do it properly, not just – have read the book before we mm. interview you. So, and after this, we're going to like interview each other for the um, who we are bit. Oh, and we're like, I'm so nervous about asking Caitlin. <laughs> I saw that question. It's like, when is it difficult to be around me? Yes. And I don't, don't want to know. I'm not sure I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> yes. oh, I'm so nervous. Yeah. So, I'm Um, nervous, but I'm a little bit um, more optimistic about it. I think we'll be okay. (laughs) I think think we will too, but it's just always, it's it's hard to hear that negative, if you have negative feedback, and obviously it will be because that question is inherently asking when it's it's difficult. Yeah. 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 So is that, is that something um, that's like that people people always struggle with? It's, I, I think mostly we're very protective of our ego and most of us are quite sensitive to something that feels hurtful or critical about who we are in the world. So of course, but if we're going to be successful, high performing, be emotionally aware, be successful in life, we need to be self-aware. And we and for that to be, you know, strategically useful and for us to be emotionally healthy, we need to know and understand the impact we have on the people around us. And you, you and I, you know, the three of us know people who are very good at that. You know, they know if they're having an impact on someone else in a good way or a bad way. And there are also people who 
you kind of go, why is she still talking? And does he really think he's funny, you know? And so it's it's part of the the learning about ourselves, but more importantly than that, it helps us to get real clarity on what our strengths are mm-hmm. and also the stuff that we need to work on and maybe do differently or stop doing or do less of. And if I'm not prepared to acknowledge that there are things that I can do better or things I need to learn about myself, at some point, I'm probably going to bump my head on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you actually, do you have any advice for for us in not taking that negative feedback to heart? Because I, I struggle, like I just take it yeah. very personally and I'm a very anxious person. So then I'm always like, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world. <laughs> oh, so bless. do you yeah. have any tips just personally? <laughs> I do, I do. And I think what you know, what you're saying is actually really normal. You know, I don't think there's too many people in the world who say, oh, bring it on, you know, tell me everything that I'm not good at or that you don't like about me or you think is difficult. So I I think it's an important question. So my tips are ask people that you trust because this is a lot about intention. So if someone's delivering a message to us that might be a bit hurtful or make us take a deep breath, if the intention of that person is good, if they are sharing that that feedback with us with the purpose of us being better or more aware of or for protecting us or helping us to be better at our job, then it's okay. You know, when when you feel someone say something that makes the tears come or your heart beat a little bit faster, you know, it's stop and think about why is this hurting? And if I trust the person who's delivered that message to me, maybe I just need to sit with it and breathe. And remember that you're an adult, you get to decide what you're going to do with that. You know, you can decide to pay no attention and put no energy into it or to step away and say, so what meaning do I want to give that? And what is this? what does this really mean for me? And do I want to do something about it? I think that's really, really important. I mean, I think one of the most important things I've learned in my life is that you control how you react to everything in the world. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) that's annoying to know, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It can be quite frustrating, but it's a good example that you've raised because if you think about, you know, the situations that we have in everyday life, why are some people more resilient than others and why do some people seem more optimistic and able to bounce back and we all get our fair share of crappy things happening, don't we? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's all those classic sayings, you know, everyone has a struggle. You never know what anyone else is going through. Yeah. Also annoying when people say things like that Um, (laughs) because it it is really true. And in my experiences working as a success coach, one of the things that I've noticed about people who do really well in life is that they're very conscious of the meaning that they give things. You know, mm-hmm. so if if we had a room full of people and we said to all of those people uh, that they are redundant, you know, this country has got lots of organisations at the moment who are going through all kinds of restructures and that kind of thing. There will be someone in that room, they've all just been given the same information at the same time, but someone in the room will say, okay, so that's the end of a chapter and there's obviously an opportunity for me around the corner. And someone else will be devastated and feel like their whole world has crashed in. 
mm-hmm. you know. So I think there's something really cool about being conscious about what meaning we give the situations that happen each day. Yeah. Um, about the um, the structure and the way you wrote Read Me First, um, you know, we've just been talking about the reader participation and your questions and thought provokers and all of those things. Um, why did you want to structure the book in that way? It was really important to me that I created something that was interactive and required the the reader to do some work. So what what we know is that it's really easy to pick up a beautiful book and read it. And things like inspiration and motivation are beautiful in the moment, but they pass really quickly. You know, motivation is a feeling mm-hmm. and you might be highly motivated to change something in your, your life, your career, your health uh, for 30 minutes or a couple of days. But those things tend to drop away. So what I wanted to do was create a book that was about commitment, a book that required you to do the work on you, to answer the questions, to map things out. And I also wanted part of the value of the book to be about getting to the end and actually having a plan, you know, having things that you could go back and look on and reflect on and having some really great thought provokers that would help people to structure what it is that they need to start doing. Yeah, like you can apply it to so many situations. It's not, you know, a dieting book or a book to fix your relationship. You can really make it whatever you need at the time. And I guess it's something as well that people can return to. Yeah, I really hope so. I would love to think that this is the book that people scribble in and highlight in and rip pages out and stick things into. You know, it's meant to be a very, almost like a working journal, but with a lot of, you know, context and strategies in it and you know I I appreciate your point around it's it's for a wide audience because being a coach is it doesn't matter who it is that we're working with it might be a victim of crime it might be a CEO an elite athlete it might be a a leader it could also be you know the mum at home who is thinking about coming back from maternity leave um, or someone who wants to transition into a brand new career you know, it doesn't really matter what it is. The work that we have to do around understanding who we are now, where we've been and what skills we have and what our story is made up of and aspirationally where we want to go, it's the same structure for all of us. You know, there's a lot of work to do around getting clarity on that vision. So hopefully, you know, readers will find that it's got real application regardless of what it is that you're wanting to create. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, oh, so right. She's so right. But I think a lot of people can be really skeptical about this kind of thing and about, oh, having a life coach. And I mean, I'm sure you know exactly how skeptical people can be. Yes. Yeah. So what do you say to those people? Yeah. I think the skepticism is real. And certainly if people hear the term life coach, you know, they immediately think of someone who's got incense and hugs everyone and, <laughs> you know, is very nice and all of that. And, and, and what I say to that is that the reality of coaching is that it's really hard work. You know, people often walk out of coaching sessions tired you know, Mm. because they've worked really, really hard and it requires preparation and concentration. And if you're doing really good coaching, you walk away with specific actions 
that you're going out to implement. And part of coaching also is having really strong accountability. You know that you're coming back to that coach and you're going to be asked, what did you do? How did that go? You know, what did you miss? What would you do differently next time? How do we need to evolve your plan? So coaching is actually, it's a real driver uh, and it's hard work. In fact, I was described recently, I don't know, we might have to edit this bit out later. I was described recently as sitting in a coaching session with me is like being punched in the face and hugged <laughs> at the end. <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought about that and went, mm, I'm not sure that's a particularly great brand statement, but it's kind of valid. You know, it's real mm. coaching is it's very confronting. You know, it's someone's calling you out on the language that you're using and whether you're telling the truth and what haven't you thought about yet. And, you know, what are the questions that you don't know the answers to? So it's it's a it's a big job to step into doing the coaching work on yourself. I um I have a confession to make and that is I'm such a perfectionist that I procrastinate and my <laughs> psychologist I have been going to see my psychologist for a while but I've I've worked out the reason that I do it the reason I put things off is because you I don't, don't get them wrong. I don't want to get them wrong. Yeah. So it's easier and the way that my psychologist explained it is that it's easier not to start it because then I can tell myself that for what, you know, the time or if I'd had more of this, I could have done it. Yeah. But if I'd put everything into it and still fail, then you've got to face up to that. And I can see that now, but I still mm. haven't worked out how to actually stop that. How to actually behavior. not do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm in the process at the moment of really trying to overcome it and I can recognize it in myself and I, I still oh. finding it hard to get out of that pattern because I've been doing it so long yeah yeah we have lots of habits don't we <laughs> and yeah. of course because I'm a coach I'm immediately wanting to coach you now but so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna throw this throw this out you know for us all to think about is that when we when we stick with behaviors that we know don't serve us um, that's sometimes not enough. Sometimes it's about understanding what are the consequences of me still doing that. So even though I understand that the concept and logically I understand that if I don't start something, then I don't have to be hard on myself or, or worry about failing at it because I, I never did it anyway. And the, the word perfectionism is a big one, I think, that lots of people relate to. But when I sit down and say, so the consequences of me being a perfectionist and not taking risks and being prepared to make some mistakes are that I miss out on travel or I might not get that next job or it might impact my relationship in a certain way. And then also having real clarity about what you need to replace that with. So it's not just about, you know, stopping the perfectionism. It's also about, well, what is the new way of me being in that? You know, what are the new new thinking, the new strategies, the new questions? Um, because it, it takes a lot of work. You know, the, you've got the awareness now, which is awesome because that's step one. <laughs> but it then t it can take, you know, weeks, months, years for us to create new habits. So I guess that the thing is it's taken years to build the habit. So yeah. to change it is not an overnight process. I know. And that's one of the other funny things that people always say is that, oh, it takes three times to make a habit or break a habit. And that is just not true. <laughs> yeah. Someone made that up and probably made a lot of money, I reckon. Probably. <laughs> 
Um, So obviously we really recommend people also check out Read Me First, but um, can you talk us through some, I guess, some of the ways people can start to make changes in their life um, you know, just simple things they can do every day before they start, you know, looking at um, working through Read Me First. Yeah, I think there's lots of things we can do and it's important to keep some things small because we can just get overwhelmed. And then for the perfectionists uh, uh, among us, you know, it just all gets too much and we end up not starting anything. So having some small things like journaling, Journaling is a great way to just create some conscious space each day for thinking about where you're at. So there's three things I recommend people journal, which is what did I do well today so that you start getting really clear about your strengths, passions, what you're proud of. And for people who are perfectionists, um, they're often very self-critical. So that, that helps you create a habit of understanding and identifying each day what you've done well. Also, what didn't I do well today? So what's something that I felt frustrated about or disappointed in myself about? And that just gives you an outlet to capture that. And you can start picking up patterns as well. And also, you know, what's my intention for tomorrow? So is there something that I need to set some really clear intention about, whether it's my intention is just to have really high quality time with my children tomorrow? You know, it's just a small way before you go to bed to think about how you want to be when you wake up. So journaling is something that doesn't cost any money. You can do it in a couple of minutes. It's just about creating the habit. Um, Surround yourself with great people. You know, this is a really important one. And and I mean that quite strategically, not just your family and friends that you know and love and trust. Actually start to look at your network and think about who the people are around you that could provide some good advice or invest in you or might be able to do some mentoring with you or connect you with someone else. Um, so journaling, surround yourself with great people. And the other one is to just start thinking about what your personal version of success is. You know, capture that in a collage with colours. It might be writing it out. It might be about having a conversation with someone. But start getting really clear about what it is that how will you know when you're being successful, you know, and does that also require you to be healthy and happy and what would your body look like and what type of relationship would you be in because I think sometimes what can feel challenging when we're starting to plan is that we haven't worked out what success looks like for us. Mm. And everyone's really different too like for some people um, success could be a six-figure salary and a BMW Mm. and like that's okay because that's what they want but for other people like for me money isn't I mean I'm a journalist clearly money isn't the motivator Um, (laughs) and like we're doing this in it like we're all doing this in our spare time it's passion project we don't really have we're just having yeah (laughs) so clearly like Clearly for us though, money is not necessarily a motivating factor because Mm. otherwise we wouldn't do what we do and we wouldn't be creative people because like honestly there's not much money in being a creative person. Um, So everybody has like for some people um, I guess success could be I helped someone through my writing or, Mm. um, you know, I, I did an amazing piece of artwork or I made this amount of sales from my small business, Mm. not because of the money thing, but because it means that your, your stuff is getting out there. So I think that's a, that's probably like 
I've never thought about that really before, that I've always just thought of success in a very broad term. I've never Mm. thought about it in terms of what I actually want. Yeah. And do you know what? I think in Australia, we're actually really judgy about success. Mm. No, I think we have a lot of views on what success is meant to be. Um, And so I love that you've raised this. Success is really personal. You know, my version of success might be that I fit in a 10-minute walk tomorrow morning and yours might be that you can do a marathon in three months' time, you know. And so just taking the time to work out what that is. And the other build on that is that sometimes people's version of success or what they think it is is not actually theirs. It's what their parents told them. Or they're comparing themselves to their friends, you know. So I think there's something really powerful about working out what success really means for you. It's very personal. Yeah, Mm. definitely. Yeah. Um, If you could only give people one piece of advice, though, what would um, that one piece of advice be? Mm. Good question. Can I really only have (laughs) one? Tough one. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, if I was giving one piece of advice to people, I would suggest to them that they actually step out of busy and create some space to be responsible for their future. I think for lots of us right now, we're, we're very busy. And as you may have got to yet in the book, I'm not sure, but you know, busy is not sexy and it doesn't serve us. It's not healthy for us. It's not good for us. And I think I have a lot of conversations with people about just taking some time to make yourself your most important project. No one else can create success for you. No one else can go and do the exercise for you or build that career for you. I just think if we all thought of ourselves as a project and set timeframes and consulted experts and got a really clear vision for a goal and looked after ourselves, you know, the the world would feel a little bit differently, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's yeah. such a good point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true because oh, I am such a I'm such a busy person. I'm such a victim yeah. of that. And I hate it, but I keep I I I keep falling into that yeah. trap of more than saying once yes. a day, I will think I'm too busy to do something. Yeah. Yes. More yes. like I Oh, like actually I was going to write an Instagram post about it and obviously by the time we air this it will have been a little while away but I had a very bad mental health week this week um, mainly due to just feeling Mm. like I just I I couldn't fit everything in that was expected of me and I I calmed down eventually and I decided that, you know, like if I just – I think the biggest thing that I've had with – coping with things like that the biggest thing I found that helps is um, to do the small steps so to really break it down because like you said before sometimes if you just have a big to-do list it can look very and if your your things are quite vague mm-hmm. then I start to be like oh my god I can't do this it's, it's too much mm-hmm. so if I sit it down and I'm like okay so tonight for uni I'll just I'll just read one thing for uni and then that will be my goal for the night and then I will do one thing you know, I will clean up one section of the house. I will spend 10 minutes cleaning one section of the house and that will make me feel better. And if I, every time I've found myself feeling like I couldn't do everything, doing that has really helped. Like by Sunday night after 
crying my eyes out on Saturday, Sunday night, I did like four different things. And I was like, yeah, I feel really on top of it now. Like I've done a bit of everything I needed to do Mm -hmm. and I still had time to relax. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. No, I feel good again. So I think, yeah, that that was a bit of a side note, but um, I, yeah, I don't think we should be glorifying busy, No, um, but I end up falling into the trap anyway. What you've just shared is really insightful and true for lots of people. You know, we feel guilty about all kinds of things. And one of the, one of the things that I write about in the book, which um, you might enjoy reading is for everything I say yes to, I'm saying no to something else, you know, so before anything goes in my diary or into my schedule, or, you know, you, you think about family commitments and I know I'm a, you know, a mum with three children and I've got a team of people that I lead and there's lots of different requirements on my time. And, and I find if I say, if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? If I say yes to that client dinner, I'm saying no to exercise that night or I'm saying no mm. to dinner with my children. And sometimes mm. I'll go, that's okay. You know, it's their important clients and I need to have some quality time with them and so that's okay. But there's other times when I go, hmm, well, if I'm saying no to something that jeopardizes my well-being or me being able to get some productive work done, this might be when I have to say no. I've gotten better at that over the last six months, but it's definitely still a learning curve. But yeah, I've gotten better at like, mm, no, I'm not going to come to work drinks because I really just want to go home and you know, it doesn't bother me that everyone else is hanging out without me. Yeah, you know, but it's, okay. it's hard though. Yeah. It's hard when everyone's like, oh, come on, just have one drink. And I'm like, no, I, I, really, I really, I know I would feel go. better yeah. if I went home and yeah. had a bubble bath and some wine at home, you know. Yeah. And and good for you, you know, because it, it can take some of us a long time to learn that, you know. And I have to thank my therapist for that. She's really helpful. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. When we don't look after ourselves, there's consequences. And yeah, it sounds like you've worked out, you know, some good little strategies and ideas and breaking things down and still making time that you sure that you get time to relax. And, you know, they're all the things that I think most of us do but aren't necessarily good at. So yeah, even then I still wobble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it really has. I I feel like we'll have to get you back on like another time to, to go over more stuff because it's just amazing. I would love to do another podcast with you when you've both finished the book. Yes. We would, yeah, we have to do something. What your insights were and how you went in that conversation with each other about you know what what's yeah. difficult in terms of being around you but yeah I'd love to do a follow-up conversation with you about your experience of the book yeah oh wonderful. that would be fantastic <laughs> um Lisa where can people find you online okay uh so a, f- a few places so on Instagram and I am Instagram obsessed by the way you will <laughs> so find you will find me as who am I projects with an S on the end who are my projects is our consulting business um, or you can do a search on hashtag Lisa Stevenson. Uh, we also have a website for the book if people are interested. So it's www.readmefirst.com.au. And if you're interested in any of the, we've got some new, very cool YouTube content up at the moment. So Lisa Stevenson with a PH for YouTube and where else? Oh, Facebook. Uh, we have Who Are My Projects on on Facebook as well. And for those of your mm-hmm. listeners who are on LinkedIn, 
uh, if they search Lisa Stevenson, I publish articles and things on there as well. Fantastic. We are going through and following you now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, And of course, yes, everyone can find us at Better Words Pod um, and betterwordspodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, And guys, we will speak to you next week.